This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show, keeping you up to date with all the latest Arsenal information every single day at 8am UK time, continuing to make this part of your morning routine. You've got up, you've got your juice, you've got your cereal, you pop on YouTube, you click on the video. It's as simple as that and you are not yet complete with your duties because you are yet to touch that thumbs up button so make sure you drop a like on the video and if you are new to the channel please make sure that you drop a press a big press on that subscription button too and if you'd like to help support the channel even further you can go a little bit further still and join up as a member and join our discord server in the process by becoming an expert member or a tgt ambassador good morning guys i hope that you're well i hope you're good and you're enjoying the start of your week i hope your monday wasn't too rough and that you've got off your week in the right way uh i'm really you know i'm looking forward to just counting down the days each week to the arsenal matches to be honest i mean we've got a bit of a blessing next week because uh, we'll have three games in the space of about seven eight days with burnley and then wimbledon and then spurs and i'm looking forward to the wimbledon game actually because i'm looking forward to seeing hopefully Fingers crossed, Charlie Patino uh, on the pitch in the League Cup game. I think that would be important to give him some much-needed senior experience. And so that is is certainly something that I'll be wanting to see. Good morning, guys, in the chat box. Hope you're all doing well. Just highlighting some of your comments. Make sure that you are utilising the chat box as much as you can. A couple of things before we go on with the news this morning. Yesterday, we did do our own TGT podcast, which you can join us for every single week, usually a day or two after the game. I was joined by Owen, Mike and French, and we discussed the match and a lot more. So make sure you do go back and listen. If you want to listen in audio only, you can do that too. It is up on Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes as well. So make sure you have a gander at that. The other thing I need to tell you about is the launch of a brand new channel uh, called The Arsenal Way, courtesy of Reach and, of course, in association doing some work closely with London. This is part of my new job uh, that we are launching uh, a separate YouTube channel with a lot of different style content. 
Um, all Arsenal related, of course, with some interesting guests, people that you will recognise, the likes of Chris Wheatley, Kai Karnak, etc. Some good tactical videos, some in real life stuff as well that maybe you can even get involved in. More information to come, but it's an exciting project launching officially with some videos at the end of the week but you need to be subbed to be prepared to get those notifications so link to the arsenal way is in the description click it subscribe turn the notifications on so you know when the first shows will be dropping if you like daily content you're going to like the channel because it is going to be growing it's going to be building up that support base and you don't want to be left behind you want to be one of the arsenal way ogs one of the original subscribers in the first thousand i mean how many mad channels can people say they were part of the first thousand subs you want to be part of one of those first thousand subs so make sure you don't miss out on that and you hit a press on the subscribe button before you ask no nothing is changing with the guna talk this will remain as is, so don't be concerned. This isn't going anywhere. This is part of my job, the Arsenal way. The Guna Talk is, is very, very separate. So uh, no, uh, <laughs> no, nothing to worry about in that regard. So there you go. Let's crack on then with the news. And we start off with talking about the fact that Granit Xhaka has now returned to England after quarantining in Switzerland. He is still, of course, suspended and will miss the next couple of games against both uh, Burnley and then Wimbledon in the League Cup. But be available again for the North London derby. You'll be very pleased to hear um, that he will be back for the Spurs game. Um, but interestingly, he's now returned. They will, you know, the conversations around the vaccine and, and trying to convince Xhaka to, to take the vaccine, etc., etc., will probably continue on. If there's any news on that, we'll be sure to let you know. But, you know, Xhaka, get your jab. Get your jab, son. Um, moving then on to... Uh, this isn't necessarily massively Arsenal-related, but it kind of relates into what Granit Xhaka did against Manchester City. If you watched the Everton-Burnley game last night, of which I've caught up on now, um, this tackle from Tarkovsky on Richarlison... There was another tackle from Brownhill on, um, on Richarlison as well earlier on in the game that I didn't think was a red card, but it was definitely a dangerous tackle. This, this tackle here, I just can't get it out of my mind that if this was Granit Xhaka making this tackle on Richarlison, it would very, very clearly be a red card. I just can't quite grasp the lack of consistency from the officials in games. Like We know that we want it to be a bit more physical. I think we were all very impressed with how the European Championships was officiated, that the games were able to flow on the most part. Um, but... The, the, the problem with allowing that, obviously, is that players will start to test the line, see how much they can get away with. And this tackle, I don't think even got a yellow. I don't think it even got a yellow card. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it didn't even get a yellow card. Um, but for nothing, for absolutely nothing to be given, is frankly a joke. Like it's an absolute joke, and I hope it's one that they they analyze and they look at. Because this is going to start endangering players. No one can tell me that Tarkovsky is in control in this moment. Because he's not in control, is it? The ball's gone. The ball's gone ages ago. You can see how far away the ball is. He is out of control and he is heading straight into Richarlison's ankle. Completely and utterly out of control. And this has to be endangering an opponent. And surely, if the Xhaka tackle, which... I didn't touch him. I still thought it was a red card based upon the rules that we have. But this has got a lot more contact. It's, it's still out of control. It has to be, 
has to be a red card. If you are listening to this on audio only, obviously what I'm describing to you is the tackle from Tarkovsky on Richarlison around 50 minutes in in last night's game. If you haven't seen it, just go onto Twitter and type in uh, Tarkovsky Richarlison tackle and it will come up. It's just, it staggers me that the consistencies are still, still there. Um, now, Hetzebello made his debut for Real Betis last night in a 2-1 win over Granada for uh, Real Betis. And speaking ahead of that game, he said that I've left Arsenal to win things with Real Betis. I'm not here for a holiday. Now, you, you'll never believe this, but some Arsenal fans have taken a little bit of an exception to these comments, which I'm finding a little bit hard to understand. Now, I was very much in the camp of Bellerin should be sold. We should try and look to move him on and get as much money in for him as possible. But for the people to get annoyed to say that he's left Arsenal to win things with Real Betis, so much so that I think he, there was a few replies saying that he's been on holiday at Arsenal for the last year. Like, you know, funny. Fair enough. Funny. But to get annoyed at him saying he's left Arsenal to win things, I mean, he's left Arsenal because, one, he's not getting any minutes. Two, he needs to get back in that Spanish international side. And why would he move somewhere with the aim of not winning anything? It's not telling us anything crazy, is it? He's left he's to go somewhere that means he's going to try and win things with Real Betis. Now, Real Betis are a very decent Spanish side. And whilst I don't think they're going to be winning any titles, the Copa del Rey is a competition that has seen teams of Real Betis' standard, not just get to the final, as we've seen with Athletic Club in the last two tournaments, but also win it, as Real Sociedad did. Uh, they won the 2020 tournament in 2021. They played back-to-back finals because of the, the pandemic effect in the previous tournament. But if a side like Real, uh, Real Sociedad can win the Copa del Rey, there is no reason why a side of the quality of Real Betis can also win it. So for me, I'm, I don't see an issue with him saying this at all. And uh, interestingly, a lot of people did, uh, <laughs> which is just strange. I think probably shows more about the sensitivity at times than anything. But I think fair play to him. Go go to Spain, get in your minutes, come back and earn a, earn us a tidy fee uh, when we sell you. It's as simple as that for me. Now, Bernd Leno's position at Arsenal seems to be very much on the bench. Sammy Mottbell has reported that Arsenal have no intention of dropping Aaron Ramsdale after his good performance against Norwich City at the weekend and that Bernd Leno will continue as the current now number two. This could obviously lead then to a link with a move away from the club, which is probably expected to come in January at the earliest and, of course, then the summer at the latest, I would be surprised to see a contract signed. I think that Leno will look to move on from Arsenal, knowing that he's not in the first team plans. He's always had his eye on trying to take over the number one spot in the German national side. But with Manuel Neuer and Mark andre Ter Stegen, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, but he definitely won't be doing it if he's not starting at a very decent club. Inter Milan have said to be interested. Uh, Han Danovic, obviously getting on a bit now, 37, 38 years of age. Um, he will be looking to move on at some point and then I would be a, an optimal replacement at Inter Milan. So maybe we will see Bernd Leno move into Serie A in some time in the near future. But he is looking at a possible move away with Arsenal not looking to drop Aaron Ramsdale after the Norwich game. Now, Reese Nelson's final coach, Arna Slots, has been talking about how he has not struggled with the intensity, but I think he's been a bit surprised with the intensity of the final training compared to Arsenal. He says, Nelson has participated in almost all training sessions at Arsenal, but he experiences the training here as a bit more intense. He suffered an overuse injury, and so he is not there. Whether he will be fit for the PSV game remains to be seen. 
And, you know, when you go into a different club, a different training routines, every coach trains differently. It's very, very normal. If you listen back to the Wilfred Zaha, uh, Eduard interview after the 3-0 win over Spurs, just to repeat that, after the 3-0 win over Spurs, uh, Wilfred Zaha said that Patrick Vieira's sessions may not be that fun because they're double sessions, but obviously they're seeing the benefits. Some coaches do it that way. And clearly that is the view of Arna Slot as well. And Nelson's just had a bit of a bad reaction to the initial kind of step up in injury in, in training. Very normal. And he'll adjust and adapt to it and hopefully come back an even better player, fingers crossed. We'll wait and see. Um, let's move on then to our final story of the day. And Chris Wheatley in a Q&A has referenced that William Saliba and the plan for him when he returns from Marseille. He says that the plan would be for him to come back to Arsenal next summer and a decision will be made on whether he's offered a new contract or not. Expecting talks to begin towards the end of his loan spell at Marseille. That was not said by Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> Why would Aaron Ramsdale say that? Uh, let's just change that. Wheatley. There we go. So, um, obviously, this is some really good uh, news for Arsenal that possibly uh, Saliba will have a future at the club. I still kind of struggle. Um, I, st I still kind of struggle to think that we would see uh, Saliba play at Arsenal under Arteta. Um, just for me, anyway. Um, I really do feel as though that we would uh, see Saliba probably aim to find a coach that he's going to be trusted under, that can be he can be given the the emphasis of being a starter. I don't really see a future for Saliba at Arsenal whilst Arteta is here. And, you know, look, if Arteta succeeds, then that's fine. But it's a big, big risk if you're going to opt to losing one of the you know most high potential centre-backs that there is in, in on the continent. Let's be real. Saliba has an incredible amount of potential to be unlocked and at the moment has been completely shunned by Arsenal. Uh, if Arsenal succeeds without him, that's always the priority. No player is bigger than the club, period. But the problem is, is that if Arsenal do take this risk and Saliba isn't kept at the club and isn't sorted his future isn't sorted out then it will fall again on Arteta if things fail and we will look back very regretfully on that situation um so we will see uh, if he indeed does have a future at Arsenal um but with a lot of very young players at center back Gabriel Ben White Tommy Asu of course can play there we've got some young guys coming through the ranks too like Daniel Ballard as well he's having a great season so far at Millwall uh, you've got Harry Clark, who I haven't actually followed too much of, but I heard a couple of things recently about how he's done very well. I think he got Player of the Month last year, last year, last month for August at Ross County. So we've got some interesting options coming through the ranks. Uh, and Saliba, of course, who is definitely better than those two, by the way, and arguably up there with potential alongside the likes of White and Gabriel. Omar Rekic, thank you, chat box. Yes, Omar Rekic too. Um, that we've got this situation where... We've got a lot of potential. And will he look to Arsenal as a, a real place that he can progress and get regular game time under Arteta? For sure. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. We'll wait and see. Uh, that does, however, complete the news. Uh, McGuinness, Nico is no longer at Arsenal. We sold McGuinness. He's gone. But Ballard is very solid indeed. Um, we've reached now the point of the show in which we've got an opportunity for you guys to ask some questions. Um, so if you would like to do so, please throw them into the chat box and we'll go through as many of them as feasibly possible. Any thoughts, feelings, queries, 
uh, and questions, do throw them in there and we'll go through them now. Ty says, Tom, good morning. Who do you think our current best defender? Defender being the key word. Um, and you know, it's ironic because I think Tommy Asu has really got an opportunity to be that player, to be our best defender. Uh, and being that good in the back line. I would obviously fall between him and Gabriel. Both of them have the ability to win the ball in the air over Ben White, and they have the ability to win their duels and tackles on the floor. So it's between uh, it's between Tomiyasu and Gabriel for me. Uh, Game Boy says, would we see a 4-3-3 of Emil Smith or Onodegar as the eights coming into Burnley? I'd be surprised if that's what we went for. I feel like with Partey returning to full fitness, you might see the 4-3-3 Partey alongside one of Smith Rowe or uh, Erdogan with Lakonga playing kind of the number six, or rather, I hope, I hope that that's the case. Uh, Amandeep, I don't think you can describe Tierney as the best defender. I think actually he's one of the weaker defenders. Um, he's one of our best players overall with what he brings us going forwards. But defenders, uh, that's an area of his game that I think is more towards needing some development. Is his on the like on field duels, his tackles, uh, recovery pace, stuff like that. That those things is what Tini needs to work on. I wouldn't describe him as one of our best defenders of the ball, but as one of our best players, definitely. Tierney falls into those categories. Uh, Ian, hi, Tom. FYI, Wimbledon Carabao isn't live. So highlights on Sky and Quest free to air on uh, fishing? What? Fishing holes. Oh, fishing holidays. <laughs> Gutted. Love watching the kids. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to look for where it's being shown. It's going to be an awkward one to try and find a way of watching it. Uh, you know, We'll see. We'll see. Jasmine says, Tom, we will uh, qualify for Europe next season and Saliba will replace Holdings' spot. We will need at least three to four top centre-backs for the 22-23 season with White and Gabriel. Jasmine, I wish I was as confident as you are as qualifying for Europe next season. We'll wait and see. Kieran says, do you see us following the Chelsea model of loaning out loads of academy players and rising uh, their price when sold. No, Kieran, I don't. Mainly not because I wouldn't want Arsenal to do that, but there are new loan regulations that are being brought in that are going to restrict clubs from doing what Chelsea have done. Um, let's see. New football loan regulations. Um, pretty sure. Uh, clubs face loan restrictions after FIFA announced new regulations. Um, FIFA had proposed new regulations that would mean clubs could only have eight loan deals per season, both in and out of the club, that would then be reduced to six from the 22-23 season. It would apply just to international loans at first, pl involving players aged 22 or over. Chelsea, currently, and this article was written in 27 of February 2020, so last year, Chelsea in the 2019-20 season had 28 players out on loan with ages between 15 uh, with 15 aged 22 and over. The plans are subject to approval by the FIFA Council, but I'm pretty sure that they are... Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that this is pretty legit. FIFA said the new regulations are intended to ensure that loans have a valid sporting purpose for youth development. Individual leagues would then be given a period of at least three years to implement similar rules for domestic loan deals. Current Premier League rules state that clubs may not register more than two players on loan at one any one time. Clubs can only register four loans in total in one season and cannot sign more than one player from the same club on loan at any time within... That's within the UK. So like last season, um, when we signed Sabios and, and Erdogan, both on from Real Madrid, that was fine. 
but we couldn't do that from within the UK. We couldn't like bring in two players on loan from uh, another English club, I'm pretty sure. Um, there are no restrictions on number of players that can leave clubs on loan. And this is kind of the main thing is that the restrictions on leaving uh, leaving those players to let, to go online that's that's the main issue for for this rule and regulation but it's going to be restricted to eight which is really difficult uh really really difficult is it eight i think and then to six by 2022 23 so it's going to be difficult to see that happen they're going to start seeing the introduction of loans within the uk so you'll see that's that's europe that's international loans so as of this season i think it's eight are allowed uh, internationally, and then that'll get reduced to six next season that you're allowed to loan out abroad. And then in the UK, they have the expectation that the Premier League will start to restrict the amount of loans being sent out within the domestic leagues as well. But at the moment, there is no restriction on that as far as I'm aware, only on incoming loans, but not on outgoing loans. So it's going to be really interesting how to see how these clubs deal with that situation. Um, but Arsenal won't be able to say now all of a sudden shift the way in which they're recruiting and loaning players like we've seen uh, Chelsea do re more more recently. It's going to have to be, you know, we're going to have to play it differently. Uh, Ritayan says, do you think we should change formations based on the oppositions that we faced? I watched the Petitity podcast last night. It was a great show as always. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate that. Um, I think that we should try to remain as consistent as possible. I think you should definitely take into account the opposition but still only making one or two tweaks to your team. For example, say you play a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. You can switch from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 of one substitution. And we did that. I mean, if you think about it, if you've got a, uh, if you're the three in midfield of a 4-2-3-1, so the two eights, oh, sorry, the two sixes and a number 10 in a 4-2-3-1. So that's Lukonga, Partey and Erdogan. You could switch that to a 4-3-3 by taking off, say, Partey or Lokonga and bringing on a Smith-Rowe or an Erdogan to then play together and play 1-6 behind. That's one substitution and it changes the entire formation. So I'd say it depends on who you face, but you need to remain consistent and making minimal changes where possible. That's what I would do. Um, John says, Chelsea will create the most well-paid match stewards in history to hide their players. <laughs> you said, what says, do you think the first 11 played in the Norwich game, apart from Partey? Uh, yes, that would be. It's it's that. And the only other change that I would make is Smith-Rowe, maybe for Pepe. That's the only other change that I would, I'd be tempted to say is our best team. But other than that, pretty sure. Uh, Abdul, are we going to win our next three matches? No idea, mate. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope so, but I have absolutely no idea. Um, Jasmine says, having totally remodeled our side defense goalkeeper this season with three new players, do you think this helps us get more output from both flanks this season? I think that it's about balance, isn't it, Jasmine? Tommy Asu has been able to provide us with kind of that balance on the right back position so that we've got a very offensive left back in Tierney and say that the right back was to bomb on at the same time as Tierney, it would leave us very exposed and vulnerable with just White and Gabriel at the back. Now, knowing that that happens, Tommy Astor is obviously providing balance by staying more central at times, dropping into the midfield or shifting over if need be, so that if we do lose possession and we are hit on the counter, we've still got a, like a solid number of defenders back to help deal with any possible counter-attacks from the opposition. So I'm very hopeful that Tommy Asu has been the right signing. And I think that him, in addition to someone like Ben White, who's really good playing out from the back, 
will provide us with that much needed more fluidity and strength and quality in our build-up and distribution. Uh, Nived says, Tom, uh, have you watched the bench camp? Not yet. Notice that Arteta has reduced giving instructions while playing. I will check it out, uh, Nived, but I haven't had a chance to as of yet. Matt G says, we got Tamiyasu Sambi and Udegaard for 62 million combined. Is this better value than 70 million? Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. Tomiyasu, Sambi Lakonga, and Erdogan or Madison. It's a very, very clear choice for me. Amadeep says, uh, how many goals should we target from the midfield quadruple of Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka, Pepe and Erdogan? Is 40 too much? That would require all of them scoring 10 goals, which, yes, I'd say Amandeep is far, far, far too high of an expectation. It's not often you see a team like Arsenal, let alone teams in general, have four players, especially midfielders, all with 10 or more goals. Um, it's not a common occurrence. I would look to say 30 goals is a really good target uh, of trying to get that many goals from them. But I mean, if we look at the Premier League table last season, let me just have a look. How many goals did Arsenal score last season in the Premier League? We scored 55. So 55 goals were scored in the Premier League and you'd want 20 of those at least to be from a Bamiang. You'd look for Lacazette to get his hand in a fair few of those as well, like 10. So that's already 30. So you need to be seeing like, you need to be seeing it around the seven-ish, I think, from all of them. Obviously, when you look at Manchester City and how many goals they're scoring, they're seeing their, their midfielders, their Fodens, their Mareses, their Bernardo Silvers, their Kevin De Bruyneers pop up with all of these goals. But it's just a different level. And that's why they scored 83 goals last season, because they're just so dominant in their games. But right now, to expect 40 from those four, especially when you consider the fact that Saka, Smith-Rowe and Erdogan have an average age of 21, like to expect that many goals from them, I think is a little bit too far. But I think you should be aiming for around the five to 10 range of goals from them. That's what we want to see this season. Absolutely, Chris, we do need to aim higher than 55, but we still have to remain in the context of the players that we have and the age of those players that we have and that you can't be expecting Saka to suddenly hit 10 last season. Uh, you can expect that from Pepe and you should expect that from at least at least 10. I'd say you should be aiming for more than 10. And so we should help balance things out. But Saka, Smith-Rowe have, have need to add this goal part to this game, as does Erdogan. We should be looking to see them get between five and 10 goals each, those three. And then Pepe should be stepping up with more than 10 goals considering his age, his position, his price tag, his style, all of those things. So that's what I would be aiming for around the 30-goal mark for those for those four. Um, Black and Blanco says, I have, and that's in the league, by the way. I have heard fans saying that we have spent a lot for six players. We hardly spent in the top bracket. 140 million for six is a bargain bucket price in today's market. And when you think about it, that averages out at what? What is a hundred? I think it's 150 million. 150 million would average out at 25 mil per player. Six 25 million pound players is not something that you see as a regular occurrence, especially in the Premier League. You tend to see clubs like bring in two or three big, big, big players and then a couple more at the lower end. You look at Manchester United, Rafa Varane, Ronaldo, Jaden Sancho have come in, but they haven't really signed the depth players because they've not needed to because they've spent 
fairly well and consistently over the last five to 10 years. So Arsenal needed to do what they did this summer. I would have liked to have seen a marquee signing and maybe swapped out a couple of players for that marquee addition. Like you look at, uh, you look at say the Tavar, the Sambi Lukonga, Erdogan, um, Ramsdale, and then you could have looked to spend say a hundred million that we didn't spend on two world-class transformative figures and then, say, brought in a cheaper homegrown option and kept Leno as the number one if you wanted to. But I'm happy with how we spent the money and I'm looking forward to seeing what these players do in the season going forwards. Uh, Stephen, do I think the defence will hit more goals? I think you've got someone like Gabriel that can clearly score a couple of edits from corners. Tommy Asu seems to like a shot, a goal. He showed that in the first game. Tierney, we'd like to see pop up with a, a goal or two, like the one he did against West Brom last campaign, or the one he did against, was it Benfica, I think, as well, in the Europa League. So, of course, we'd like to see as many players scoring as possible. But Abamyang has got to be the focus. Getting Abamyang the service, getting him confident, getting him scoring, because... Bamiang remains one of the top strikers in the world. I mean, he was what the ninth best, the ninth highest goal scorer between 2010 and 2020 in the world. So he's still an exceptional striker. We just need to be getting him the right service and into form. That's what we need to be looking at. Jasmine says Ben White already made three key passes this season from just two games. That's more than David Luiz made in the entirety of last season. What here? What's this imply, Tom? Arteta has made the correct addition here. Look, I'm all for seeing Ben White play. I'm happy with the signing. I always said I was happy with the signing, and I like the idea of bringing in a centre back that can play key passes and that can add to our build-up play and play the way that Arteta wants to play. Because if why he's going to stay, whether or not you want him to stay. I'd rather have a team that is going to be able to be as good to actually get his ideas out on the pitch. Whatever those ideas might be, I'm still struggling to see them. But if we've got a team that can do it, all the better for Arsenal's results. So I'm fine with that. There was news this morning that he very much pushed for White and Ramsdale so and Tommy Asu as well. So he will fall on that sword. And, and that's and that's what we need to see. Uh, Magambo says, I'm sorry, Tom, but why we got Pepe on that 72 million? Weren't there better options? You'll have to ask Raul, mate. You'll have to ask Raul Sanyehi why we paid 72 million. Um, not me. I'm not the man to ask the question for it. Anyway, we are going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. As always, please do drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the channel if you are new around here with those notifications turned on. Before you go, please make sure you hit the link in the description and go and subscribe to the brand new Arsenal Way channel in association with Football London and Reach. Um, lots of exciting stuff uh, coming through on the channel. As I said earlier, you want to be part of the first thousands. That's a privilege that not many people get to say about YouTube channels these days. That they, they were in the first thousand subscribers. So make sure you go into the description of today's video. Click on the link to the Arsenal Way. Subscribe to the channel and turn those notifications on because there'll be some interesting content coming out as the channel launches towards the end of this week. Lots of fun stuff coming, promise, promises. I will see you guys uh, probably a little bit later on this evening. Uh, but other than that, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. 
Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.